I had a set of friends back then who would tell me, just why are you, you know, dreaming so big? Like, just, you know, try to make your life simple and keep it easy. Like, get graduated, get your PR done, stay here or maybe go back. It's easy. You are choosing difficult things for yourself. And it just struck me a bit like, but why can't I choose, you know, like difficult situations or difficult dreams? Just because I'm an international student, I can't dream big. G'day guys, coming up on the show today is Ankita Karungulaker. Ankita is a sports presenter for the Mumbai Indians, Cricket Australia and Kojo. Ruben met Ankita on a whim at the end of 2022, where she told him that being a cricket presenter was her two-year goal. And after seeing Rana Hussain presenting at the T20 World Cup in Adelaide, she pursued that heavily. Less than a year later, she found herself standing on the same oval, doing the same thing as her inspiration. She's also killing it in the social media space, using her personal brand to promote her sports presenting and love for fashion. Lots to look out for, including how to land your dream job, how to work overseas, and how to build your social media presence to create epic experiences. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome back to the Sportscope podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker. Joining me is the rejuvenated Reuben Williams. And we had two mates who met at Cricket Australia. And each week we learn how people made it in sports. We tease out their career decisions, their work habits, skills, and everything that they do that makes them great. Also, that you can learn how to get in, get promoted, and get thriving in the sports industry. Rubes, we are back for 2024. We're back, Ryan, and we're back in the same room. We haven't recorded a podcast in the same room since, I'm going to say, mm. May 2023. I reckon Sunil Menon was yes. our last guest that we were in the same room because after that, I took off overseas. I got back the very next day. You go to Perth, and now yeah. we are back for 2024. So it's good to be chatting to you in the flesh again. That is a scary, scary stat. That's I hadn't like, thought about that. It's like a full eight months. That is a long, long time. And I must say, it is way better being in front of you. Mm. Better than having you on half my screen. <laughs> uh, it is great to have you in the flesh. Mm. Hey, um, it's first ever 2024. Very exciting year. We worked out before. It's like if we're thinking of years as seasons, this is our fourth season. Season four. Fourth year of doing the podcast, which is incredible. Uh, and we're um, this year we'll hit 300 episodes, which is absolutely insane. It's on the radar. But I'm thinking... Let's give the listeners a bit of an update about what we've been up to over mm. the summer. So kick us off. Yes, yes. It was a big summer. Uh, we desperately needed a break. I think we took a full three weeks just to kind of shut down, do nothing. Incredible. In- that was amazing. I don't think I'll ever do two again. <laughs> no. <laughs> like- it was the first staycation I've had since probably being in uni. Mm. Anytime I got annual leave at Cricket Australia, I was like, let's yeah. go overseas and do something big. Get out of here. But this is the first time it's like, no plans, just stay in Melbourne, go yeah. down to Lawn for a bit. So um, I had a wonderful summer. I uh, went down to Lawn and I ran the Mountain to Surf, which uh, couples as a running event to the massive swim event, the Peter yeah. Pub. So that was a great time. I actually got a LinkedIn message from someone saying, Hey, Ruben, thought I recognized you on the beach playing spike ball with your friends. And I was like, yep, that was me. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, shout out to those people who listen to the pod who are also down nice. in Lawn that weekend. Um, got a bit of time to see some sport, of course. Went to yep. Boxing Day as the annual tradition mm. with my friends and I. So that's kind of my day where I catch up with everybody. Yeah. You are a big Boxing Day test, man. Well, it's the people that it, – it's the day that I will see my friends from primary school, friends from high school, friends from previous jobs everywhere, mm. and they're all in the one place, and they're all yep. at the MCG for the Boxing Day test match. So – so lovely to catch up with those people. I'll see them next year or later yeah. this year now. Um, and then aside from that, uh, a bit of Oz Open action and, and in between did my, my annual review. Yeah. L- last year I spent four days kind of, you know, reviewing the entire year. This year I've, you know, had the great uh, enjoyment of doing a similar sort of thing and got a lot of insights out of what was a, a very testing year. Those, most people know that uh, that was the year that uh, my sexual assault case went to trial and and uh, tested six months of working abroad as well and traveling around. So there was a lot to be taken out of that mm-hmm. year. So it was good to kind of make sense of it and package it and, you know, take yep. those learnings into this year. So I'm feeling great. Nice. How about yourself? It was a big, big summer. I, uh, I spent nearly a month in Perth. Uh, so I was very lucky to have a, uh, a wedding in late November. So I thought, hey, let's just stick around until, until Christmas. So that was awesome. Got to the Perth test, which was fun. Um, saw lots of old friends and, and family. It was, it was awesome to be there. Um, came back, went up to Yarrawonga, uh, which is awesome. Love to, love to head up there and just chill out and not do a whole lot. Uh, and then... Came out to Melbourne and yeah, just enjoyed enjoyed the last week just being in Melbourne. Uh, did a little bit like you, a bit of an annual review, set a few goals and, and thought about what do I what do I want to do this year? Where are we heading? Uh, but probably the biggest change in my life over summer is I've started running. Hey, uh, and I feel it's almost embarrassing to tell you this stat. Well, you know this stat already, but for those listening, I looked at my Strava last year and I had seven activities done. For the whole year. The whole year. And I'll admit there was some that weren't recorded and that's okay, but I'm not, I'm, that's not an excuse. It, I'm, the number is seven. So, it kind of just triggered in my if, brain. If I was it's like, not on Strava, it doesn't exist. If it's not on Strava, it doesn't exist. So, I was just like, that is a disgrace. Like, and I don't know, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're a fitness person or not. For me, I feel like that, that is not an okay number. So, since then, I've signed up for a half marathon for the Great Ocean Road. And uh, as we record this, I've done 17 days of running this wow. year. So you're already 250% up on last year. So I'm already at 17. I had seven last year. So that's something that I've introduced and I'm absolutely loving it. So it's uh, I've done it every second day. It's uh, So it's a bit of a change. So I feel good. Amazing. I'm moving. Well done to you. Which is always good. So Terrific. You look great. Thank you. Thank you. You're glowing as well as, as always. <laughs> Jaw, jawline looking good. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, one other thing you've been working on is a brand new newsletter. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's called Sports Grad Talent. Uh, and this is our way of providing a bit of a, a bite-sized guide. We're using the bite-sized guide theme as we do on the podcast uh, to help organizations attract and retain talent. So we're going to bring insights directly from our community. We've got over 700 people there who we can learn from to give organizations and hiring managers or anybody who's really interested in what our community is thinking, insights into their jobs, salaries, benefits, what they look for in employment, all sorts of things 
that can help people, uh, you know, attract talent and, and keep them around. So super excited for that. Um, the second iteration is coming out this week. Um, so jump on board, Sports Grow Talent, you can find it on LinkedIn and uh, or hit me up on LinkedIn. Awesome. And if you go through our website as well, sportsgrow.com.au, you'll also find a, a page to, to get that too. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, if you don't follow us on LinkedIn, get onto it because we're pretty active, let's be honest. And uh, if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others, become a member of our community. We do a intake every quarter and you can head to our website to become a member and join our wait list. Our community rooms, it's absolutely blown up at the moment. There's wins left, right and centre. There's jobs flying around. There's Australian Open pictures in the wild. There's wins, everything. So give us a bit of a rundown of what you've seen the last couple of weeks. My goodness, it's, it's so hard to keep up with everything. Uh, we've given quite a few people a shout out on socials. So mm. I'm going to pick on a few different people for the purposes of this podcast. So well done to those who are on LinkedIn, on, on Instagram, who have got a new job. But... Today, we have got William Roberts, who's got a brand new job in an Olympic year mm. at the New Zealand Olympic Committee as a revenue and events coordinator. So they, he's got an exciting year ahead for him. Well done to you, Will. Dante McDonald joining the Adelaide Crows Football Club as a community programs officer. This is one of the great stories of all time because yep. he's working directly under our friend Path Suri. Great friend of the show. Path holds the record for the least number of days taken <laughs> to land a job in sport since signing up to become a sports grade member. The record is 29. If you reckon you've beaten that, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he has gone on to hire another sports grade member in Dante. So well done to you, mate, and well done to you, Path, for picking a great candidate. And uh, up north, Grace McCullum, Netball Queensland, have hired her as a program coordinator. So Netball Queensland, another institute that's just building yeah. out their army of sports grade members as well, which yeah. is uh, wonderful to see because um, the uh, the growth continues because they've just posted another job with us, which is a full-time role for a marketing coordinator. So between mm. – Grace between Rachel Bromley between Eloise Mullins. Is there anyone else? I'm I think that's the three, but hey, there could be more. Yep. Now that's sorry for is, but anyway, sports has taken over Netball Queensland, which we love yeah. to see. Uh, Disability Sports Australia have also posted a couple of internships in media and events. So, if you want to check out our exclusive job board, become a sports grad member, and you'll be able to get access to everything on there. As always, we have plenty of events coming up. And uh, meetups mm. are fast approaching. Oh, yeah. If you haven't got a meetup ticket, make sure you jump on it. It's like the most enjoyable and probably cheapest networking opportunity you'll get in the sports industry. I was looking at some conference details the other day, and there's one coming to town called Sport NXT. Starting price for a ticket is $1,995. Yeah. Or you can come to a sports crowd meetup and it's only 50 bucks. Yeah. And it's way more fun. <laughs> All peace and love to Sport NXT. Um, but unfortunately, you know, not many people can pay two yeah. grand for a ticket. So uh, come to a meetup, probably the same sort of stuff. Better. But cool better. people, bit of fun. That's it. Free drinks. But in your price range. In your price range. So if you're in Melbourne on the 9th of Feb, make sure you grab a ticket. That's coming up super quick. Perth and Adelaide, we're doing a... A dual meetup. Ju dual meetup. So Ryan will be in Perth for that one on the 13th. I'll be in Adelaide on the same night, the 13th. Make sure you get a ticket. Sydney, we're coming to you on Thursday, the 15th. And then we've got a little update on Brisbane because you would have seen that oh, um, we announced our initial Brisbane meetup date on Tuesday, or sorry, Wednesday, the 14th of February, oh, which no. is Valentine's Day. And 
We took on Valentine's Day and we lost. <laughs> yeah. People clearly love their partners. Which it is, got us. Exactly. We were a bit naive to it. Our partners said we should have known better. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've heard you and we've shifted the date. We'll be back to Brisbane on the 7th of March. So Pete Locke is our distinguished guest for that. He's going to be on the panel. He's a general manager at the Brisbane Heat, just won the BBL. Mm. He's going to be on the podcast next week, so you can hear yeah. a bit about him. But um, Brisbane will be coming for you on the 7th of March. So if you want to stay up to date with absolutely everything that's happening, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter. And you won't miss anything in the realm of networking and job hunting. So that's us. Fantastic, Rose. Massive episode here. One of the great stories in sports grad history. Uh, We're very excited for it. So grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Ankita Karingilaka. Are you aiming for a future in sport? Be ready to transform the industry. Study with Deakin and be prepared to redefine what it means to work in sport. Deakin's School of Exercise and Nutrition Sciences is ranked number one in the world. So if you want to turn your passion for sport into an impactful career, get ready to push the limits of exercise and sports science, sport coaching, sport development, sports management, nutrition sciences, physical education and more. Apply now to study at Deakin in 2024. Ankita, welcome to the Sports Grab podcast. Oh my God, I'm finally here. This is the day that I've been waiting for. <laughs> well, we are just as excited as you are, Ankita, because uh, you have qu- had quite the journey since we first met. And some of you will recognize you from LinkedIn. We put out a few posts about you working at the Adelaide Test Match recently. But for those who are hearing about you for the first time, I'll give them a bit of context. Back in, uh, I think it was December 2022, you reached out to me and said, hey, Ruben, I'm from Adelaide. I'm in Melbourne quickly. Do you mind if we catch up? And uh, this was like right over the summer break for us. I think you, I think we caught up on like the 29th of December or something. And I was, I was pretty burnt out and cooked and I was ready to you know, say no to everything. But um, you popped up. You're only in town briefly. I saw your profile. looks like you're doing some cool stuff. And I said, sure, why not? And then... I had the most amazing catch up with you because I got to hear about all your ambitions and all the work that you were doing. And you you said to me, Ruben, I'm on a mission to become a sports presenter in cricket and I want to do it in the next two years. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. It's great to meet someone who believes in themselves so much. And then about three or four months later, I get a message from you saying, hey, Ruben, I've just got that sports presenter gig at the Mumbai Indians in the IPL, (laughs) arguably one of the biggest tournaments in the world. And then nine months after that, you get a job with Cricket Australia on the ground at the Adelaide Oval presenting during uh, the men's test match. So it is an incredible honour to have you on here and we're going to dive into your story more. But um, welcome and well done on everything that you've done so far. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Ruben. I think it just uh, feels like I'm speaking to a friend from a long time because I think you're <laughs> probably the first people that I spoke about my dreams to. I don't usually do that uh, because I like to keep it to myself when I'm thinking about something. But I think it's just like at that time I was looking for this push that wants support and someone to like to listen to my dreams. Because like when you are not winning, when you're not even like at the bottom and even working towards it, not everyone believes in you. But I kind of thought like, you know, you were the person who took time out to listen to me. So I would just like put all my energy and tell you everything that I have uh, to do. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for all the support. It's really, um, 
you know, um, not easy to get that support that you gave me at the start of the journey. Um, and especially when I said, like, I only have two years to, like, do this, it's only because of the visa situation. <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, look, I've only got two years to live in Australia and I have to make that mark before I go to India for good. Um, but luckily I'm here, so. <laughs> you did it. Oh, you did awesome. it. Sometimes having a <laughs> clear deadline just pushes you mm. to do things a lot quicker than you than you otherwise would. So, um, and we also notice with a lot of international people who come over to Australia who do have the burning fire of that visa timeline, that they get to move on a lot quickly, a lot more quickly than say local people and achieve a lot more mm. than local people because they've got a lot more, you know, motivation to do so. So mm. if you can make it work for you, well done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that easy, but um, I think uh, this generation of international students, like probably after the generation that came after me, um, they're going to do a lots of stuff in Australia and in other countries because I haven't seen this before. Uh, but since last couple of years, I've just met incredible amount of international students who are doing so many like things that they should be proud of themselves. And they don't like, no, nobody even knows them. And it's like, you know, it's, this is a generation. Like, I think it's about just the time that, um, you know, I'd be, I, I feel like I'm fortunate enough to be um, in this side of the country and like represent my country in different countries. So, you know, and I remember like speaking to you about this, that, oh, I remember like we were talking about, oh, I should go back to India or not. And then you're like, I mean, it'll be great. But at the same time, you're, you're probably the amongst a few people uh, who are here in Australia as a migrant and are doing what they dreamt about or dreamt of when they came here. So I think you should take this as um you know, a good sign that you can stay here and like do something that other people can see and like do the same. Absolutely. Uh, and Keita, we, we've actually already we've bookmarked your story as potentially story of the, of the year and it's already January right it's now when we're talk. recording this. So uh, it's going to be very hard to talk. We can't wait to get into it. But like every episode, we do start with our quick fire questions, uh, which aren't too heavy hitting, but it gives our audience the opportunity to get to know you a little bit more before we get into the nitty gritty of your story. So I'll start with our first question. That is, what was your first ever job? Oh, I was a waitress. I was a waitress in a very small restaurant and a kitchen hand too. So I used to do dishes um, and it wasn't really the great job, but it taught me a lot of things. And what did you study at university? Um, I studied masters in communication and media studies. Um, it was specialization, specialized in journalism. Awesome. And your favourite sporting moment? Oh, probably has to be the recent one, Shamar Joseph and his back-to-back uh, -back wickets, five wickets that I got to witness at the Adelaide Oval. It was, and I think it was his first time um, at the Test Matches, first debut. Um, and to see that, it was like a pleasure and honour. <laughs> that was incredible. And he, he went on and topped it in, in yeah. Brisbane too, so... Uh, yeah. Look out for him. And do you have a favorite interview question that you either like to ask people or that you enjoy answering yourself? Um, wow. Uh, I think I usually talk about the failures first because that just shows the real person, the vulnerability of the, of the person, how they open up to the situations and how well they take failures and rejections in their lives just makes a person uh, a bit stronger and stands up, you know. Uh, we're, we're big book and podcast guys over here. So have you got any books or podcasts that you'd recommend that's helped you at work? Well, um, 
Unfortunately, not the person who reads a lot, uh, but I am heavily influenced by movies. I watch a lot of movies um, and especially probably, okay, so probably one of the movies that got me through uh, to do what I do is um, all the Bollywood movies. I'm so I'm sorry for the reference if you don't understand. But um, Queen movie in India, uh, that movie especially is really close to my heart. It's about woman who is from small town and does really different things and exploring her life for the first time. So obviously a lot of women oriented movies because I come from a very different sort of family background and obviously doing what I'm doing now. It's so different to my family that I they see me and they're like. We don't want to watch you. So, yeah, probably like a lot of movies. Yes, watch a lot of movies. Love that. We love learning new things on this podcast. And so uh, Bollywood movies is uh, something we're going to have to brush up on as well. So thank you for bringing that to us. Absolutely. Uh, are you associated with any grassroots clubs? Um, not really, but uh, I used to be when I was a kid. Um, I used to play um, just uh, gully cricket was the thing in India. And it was kind of like a grassroots club. So, yeah. Just can, grew up like playing gully cricket a lot. For those who don't know what gully cricket is, can you explain? Um, so it's like playing cricket it, in, in every corner of the city. And gully in India means like an alley. So there's alleyways where you live. And obviously it's congested where we live in Mumbai. It's very populated. So there's no much space to play cricket. Like if you see the ground, like there are a hundred different matches going on in the ground. So you don't know which match you're playing. So you have to gauge where you're bowling and who's batting. So it's like extremely different. But like I grew up like in, again, the Chols, which is small societies in India where there's not much space for the people to live. So we used to play in the corner of the street and just like box cricket sometimes. So yeah, that's the gully cricket, basically what we play in India. <laughs> gotcha. So it's kind of like street cricket yeah. in, in Australia. And um, yeah. And Kate, I think you might've seen some of my content, but uh, I think I've experienced gully cricket when I went to Ahmedabad in the middle of the night. I couldn't believe that there was just hundreds of people playing cricket at midnight. Like in Australia, everyone's in bed or they're out, yeah. but they're not playing cricket on the street, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, it was so shocking when I came to Australia and saw that people sleep here so early. Like life is probably like life kinds of go down after 5 p.m. And in India, it's the other way around. After 5 p.m., the life starts, the party starts. <laughs> so it was like so shocking for me to see everyone sleeps and like there's no one like playing around or just like they're not kids like just, you know, playing football at the corner of the street. But in India, it's chaotic, like everyone's doing something. That was a bit of a cultural shock to me when I went to a, a wedding in India this time last year. And uh, we we're on our way home from one of the functions and we stopped by someone's house at 12.30 a.m. And uh, the driver said, oh, we're just going to have some dinner here. And I was like, well, what was the meal that we had at 8 p.m. like a few <laughs> hours ago? Like, I'm ready for bed. Let's go. But they were just That's getting stuck. Exactly. My <laughs> time is 8 p.m. and dinner time is like after 10 p.m. probably. <laughs> yeah, so I'm learning. Yeah. Last question, Ankita, and that is if you had 30 minutes to pick the brain of anybody, who would it be? 30 minutes. Um, I think uh, it should be like Aisha Gua. She is so talented. She's just absolutely so stunning at her craft that she does. And if I could just sit down with her for 30 minutes, I have like a couple of questions that I can ask her and just like get to know like what exactly made her do what she's doing and how is she so good at it. So, yeah, definitely. 
She is uh, amazing. I, yeah. I always marvel at like how fluent she is when she talks. Like she's got an yes. incredible voice. Well, let's dive into your story, Ankita. And you talked about uh, what loving, understanding someone's failures and what they've been through before they get to that big success. And we, we might dive into that with yourself. So could you take us right back to the beginning and what were some of those early moments of inspiration for where you wanted to go now? And, and what were some of the struggles and challenges that you encountered on that journey? So obviously, as an international student, it wasn't really easy for me to um, uh, have that voice in the country that I've never been before, um, a country that I've only seen in movies or in cricket matches, um, to just come here and be as confident and as comfortable that I was back in India was extremely difficult, which was shocking to me because I grew up very confident as a kid. Um, but then obviously coming here, the major major fear was to speak English and understand English because um, I did grow up speaking English, uh, but not that fluently or not was not okay with the uh, kind of, um, you know, how to understand the Australian accent. So I think that was the biggest drawback that I saw. Um, and just like having people around because you're, I was 19 when I came here, uh, not everyone was mature enough to tell me uh, I should keep doing what I'm doing. So I had a set of friends back then who would tell me just why are you, you know, dreaming so big? Like just, you know, try to make your life simple and keep it easy. Like get graduated, get your PR done, stay here or maybe go back. It's easy. You are choosing difficult things for yourself. And it just struck me a bit like, but why can't I choose, you know, like difficult situations or difficult dreams. Just because I'm an international student, I can't dream big because I have visa conditions. I have no one that I know here. So to start with, I think there was no one that I could find to like get that support from. Uh, but then I started opening up about my, um, you know, aspirations and dreams to my course coordinator at Monash Uni that I was studying or some Australian friends that I was, you know, uh, studying with in group studies. And they had kind of massive belief in me more than I did in myself because they thought, oh, you're so great. Like you can just go and do this. Like, why are you not, you know, taking chances? And I think that is when it changed. Um, also coming from a country where, um, you know, uh, we treat ourselves very inferior sometimes uh, when we see people from other countries, when we see they're a lot better English speaking, they, uh, they're a lot better with their lifestyle because the infrastructure here is like, gives those resources to people to be that, you know, that who they are. Um, I did that too for a while, but then obviously like after being in this country for a while, like just it's at the end of the day, just human beings. Uh, you just have to work hard towards yourself. So yeah, there were major downfalls and especially not just that coming from a very conservative family in India. Uh, I fought for everything till now in the family, like from wearing shorts, to going out after 7 p.m. to uh, being able to play sports. Why is my brother playing sports and why I'm not playing sports? Like, just because I'm getting dark, like, is, is that a problem, you know? So there were really major challenges that people don't know, you know, like that happens still in India. Uh, uh, but I think uh, taking the decision to come to Australia was the biggest change. Uh, that just gave me um, the ability to make my own decisions, um, which I think is what a part of failure that I just kind of shared, which was like, you know, just fighting for things. And when I came here, I didn't have to fight much. Um, it was just there. Were there any like sort of mental notes or things you'd tell yourself whenever, you know, say your family's trying to 
say, hey, this is the way you should be, Ankita, or when your friends are saying, you know, why are you dreaming so mm-hmm. big, or when you arrive in Australia and people say, you know, don't try too hard, what, what do you kind of tell yourself in those moments? I think um, it's just, uh, I think my rebelliousness uh, did work well for me. <laughs> uh, just like, I was like, oh, I would, I'm, I'm that person, if you tell me don't do this, I will exactly do the same thing. Like, I will go and do it until I fail. So it's like, it's inherited in me. Like, if you tell me don't go for this, I kind of think why? Now I'm more curious to do this. Um, so I think that is one of the things. But also I watch a lot of movies, as I said, Bollywood movies. Um, and I grew up as, you know, imagining myself a Bollywood star. <laughs> but like, I, I kind of consider myself as a main character of the Bollywood movie that, you know, everyone's against you. Everyone's like kind of taking you down. But you are the one who has to stick to yourself. Because what I think your dream is important to you and only you no one will understand ever like what you think of yourself it's like kind of no one wants to know your story until you win for that you gotta win so I just keep that mindset with me that I have to win because I have to tell so much that I've gone through um, so that they can give power to other people to go through the same and be as uh, you know as their best selves yeah, sometimes oh, you need wow. that main character energy and, and rebels are great main characters in a lot of movies. So you're playing your part very well. Yeah. <laughs> Got to win so you can tell the story. <laughs> like going back to the presenter role, um, I'm keen to understand sort of how did that come about and what are some things that you practice? What are some people that you met? Um, and how did you sort of land that first role as a presenter? Hmm. I think uh, before being a presenter, I was uh, in the media industry. I was uh, doing some little hosting gigs. I was also um, uh, Miss India Australia before that and uh, runner up and then Miss World Australia. I was representing the country in a lot of other ways Uh, that definitely helped being confident as a person. And uh, the way I communicate is obviously that comes from there that oh, I had to like kind of read a lot of books, not just like read in terms of mentally, but like read to have a habit of speaking in English regularly. Um, so those were a couple of things that I was doing before getting into presenting. I didn't just hop onto presenting. So when I know that I was playing cricket when I was a kid, I have a background in communications. I am a part of glamour industry because I worked in fashion and I've been part of beauty pageants and I'm still not happy I think there is some part of sports in me that's still there who wants to work in sports and kind of like explore that industry a lot more, but not as an athlete, but as something that I'm good at. And what am I good at is communications. I know how to present myself. I know how to talk. So why can't I just explore that part of me? So when I think it happened during last year, and I mentioned this to Ruben as well, when I went for, um, I think, T20 World Cup, um, And I was sitting next to my friend and I was like, oh, like, this is a great job. Like, I want to do this. And Rana was there. And I was like, well, this is Indian girl. And she is just out there on the field. And no one ever, because like, there's a certain stereotype of having a presenters in India or in other countries. Like, there's a certain type of personality that you need to have. But she was just absolutely opposite and so well at what she does and I was like if she can do it I can probably just go to her ask for a few tips and see if I get to explore this side Um, obviously there was a lot of hard work after that that was done 
like more watching more um you know videos on youtube on how to present uh watching more uh you know cricket matches in the past years test matches or t20 formats or odi format um then i messaged a lot of people um on instagram on linkedin on facebook on every platform you can imagine there were probably 250 people that i messaged before getting my first gig and i was probably a little desperate but in a good way that i wanted this and i'm going to make sure that i get it um i wrote a message to everyone personalized personalized message not like message like hey i'm good and i want a job like personalized message in terms of like look i've got this i've done this i'm just looking for that one uh guidance or one gig for me to open up um few people got back to me but uh, one person who stood out was my co-host now from Mumbai Indians Kunal shout out to Kunal because of him I was actually able to get the Mumbai Indians gig um and I told him like hey look this is what I do and then he was concerned because it was a regional show so regional show means uh, in IP like you need to know the regional language as well so um it's english plus regional stuff so he was like but do you know marathi like it's a regional language and i was like i started speaking in marathi immediately and he's like oh for those God, who don't know can- for those who don't know how many languages are there in india there are so many dialects i don't even know the count but i speak six of them so wow. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. it's like uh yeah i speak six indian languages uh just to like you know i grew up around a lot of people who spoke so many different languages um but yeah marathi is my mother tongue which i speak at home so when i got that gig um it was random and i knew like there were some signs that i knew that i'm going to get it so i just packed my bags and i left i just went to india and i was just there in india for those 10 20 days around them and um i got a call just probably like 6 days before ipl starts that um it's an interview call and the interview was so funny that i didn't get asked any cricket questions it was just like oh you know cricket great um what are you having for lunch so what did you do and then i was like why are we talking about what did i have for lunch i don't understand um but the whole point of the conversation was to get to know if i can speak well um and if i know what i'm doing um and if i'm confident enough to just like have a conversation with someone and yeah that's how i landed into my first ever cricket gig amazing wow you must must have described your lunch in a incredible detail then <laughs> <laughs> If you, if you can make lunch sound entertaining yeah. then um gosh who knows what else maybe <laughs> that's amazing so tell us about the mumbai indians gig what was that like day to day because that's a like the ipl is a huge huge tournament for those who don't appreciate cricket i think um in terms of like it's either like dollars per game or viewership per game it's mm. like above any other league in the world including the nfl nba epl all those types of things so um yeah. tell us what was it like day to day doing that job right but before i dive into that there's a controversial opinion that i want to give on this channel okay sure. and that's the aussie people think like the afl crowd is the massive crowd and it's the most rowdy crowd that you can see like in your know, in the world but they haven't seen the indian ipl crowd like it's and the 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 funny thing is we don't even get like alcohol inside the stadium in india so everyone's pretty sober but still rowdier as rowdy as possible so definitely there's no comparison so yeah i i would I'm agree with that AFL, you know fans <laughs> yeah i would agree in, definitely yeah, in terms of um, the um the prolonged nature of how 
you know, for how long the cheering goes for. Like I went to India versus Pakistan during the T20 World Cup and that was insane and then went to the Cricket World Cup in India recently and that was equally insane. So I think AFL fans have got the voice when it counts, but they can't do it for as long as the Indian crowds can do. It's like yeah, it's like yeah, a goal celebration a nonstop. Of, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, they just keep going at it unless one of the cricketers notices them and then they're like, oh, okay. They just, you know, try to get the attention of the players too sometimes. So like they yell as hard as possible. Uh, but yeah, coming back to your question, Ruben, um, about IPL. Um, look, to start with, like there was a lot of moments where I was, I didn't know what to do. Um just I went on the sets for the first day um, and I was just like, okay, there's a script that comes, there's mic, there's an earpiece. And for me, I've never done that before. So I didn't know like, oh, like what to do exactly. But um, yeah, slowly got a hang of it. But I think IPL is probably the biggest, biggest, um, I would say, um, an opportunity that I as a person have ever gotten in my entire career because this is massive. IPL is big. It's even like the franchise that I work for, Mumbai Indians, we have a following of 13 million people. And when we do the live show, there are 10 million people watching us. And that's just one franchise. Wow. So the the opportunity, the exposure is massive. So you have to make sure that you take full advantage of the situation and make sure that, you know, you give the best to the audience and best to the people who are watching the show. So, um, I think it was, um, it was at the moment I was very starstruck too because I was seeing a lot of players um, that I've seen growing up, you know, and then I was working with uh, three other hosts uh, who are pretty, you know, um, experienced in their own field and they already have a following of like people knowing them. And they, it was, it was a bit, you know, um, like, oh, where do I stand? And I remember like I was having a conversation with uh, the team, the Mumbai Indians team about, oh, so like, you know, Benaisha, who's my co-host, she's great at stats. Um, Kunal, who is great at cricket, like he knows the knowledge of cricket. Arjun, who's a great commentator. Then what do I bring on the table? And I had to like kind of sit down and think of that because I know cricket too, but like you know it better than me, which I thought at that time. And then my co-host immediately just said that you're so fun. I mean, I think that is what people like to see, like the energy that you bring on the show. Like you just so fun. You speak from your heart and like a fan. And that is very rare. When you become a host, you forget that you're a fan too. So I think I didn't forget that I was a fan. I was speaking like a fan. So I think that was an entire experience, just like to getting to know what I'm good at, getting to know what I can bring on the table and just meeting so many players and talking about cricket, the best probably game that I have played as a child. So yeah, it was a great opportunity. Amazing. So you mentioned the live show that you did. Is this like an hour before the game that you guys are talking about what's coming up? And were there any other sort of like routine segments or content that you had to create day to day? Yes. Uh, So basically uh, it starts before half an hour before the match starts, before toss. Uh, then after that, uh, obviously, we see the match after first innings. There's a mid-show, uh, you know, uh, segment where we talk about how the first innings went. Um, you know, how does it look like? What's the prediction? Um, and then there is obviously the post-match uh, segment where we talk about how the game went and what could have been better. Uh, what could uh, we potentially uh, think of of doing in the next match. So we talk about a lot of stuff with game analytics in general, and then about like, okay, there's a certain player that we want to highlight during that segment. Cause like, obviously like we work with these players, so we have to make sure that we uplift them. So yeah, that's how it goes. But then 
in between those days, we, we don't work every day. There's one match, then we have a day off, then there's another match. But for me, it was, I started my day at five o'clock in the morning because I was doing box pop on the streets of Mumbai. So it was really hard for me to like go out and like speak to people early in the morning and be like, hey, like, do you want to talk on the camera? And they're like, just so get away. (laughs) It's five o'clock in the morning. Like, why why do you want to ask questions? But luckily, people in Mumbai, they are used to this. They know like this camera all the time because of the Bollywood industry. It's it's quite exposed. So they were like kind enough to speak to me. So yeah, I would do walk spot from five o'clock in the morning, go back to the studio at around 12 p.m. in the afternoon and then sleep for 15, 20 minutes immediately and then get out and do my makeup while I'm half asleep and then eat and then do rehearsals at three o'clock, then do a second rehearsals at five o'clock and then 6.30 the show is on air. So that's how it works basically. Wow. So you, you were like on ground announcing, but also like broadcast. That yes. is insane. Like I kind of... I had to go early in the morning yeah. and then come back to the live studio and work till 11.30ish at night. So I would barely get sleep for like five hours. Oh my God. <laughs> that That is a crazy schedule. Um, you know, like you kind of mentioned there when you first jumped in, you were kind of feeling like, what am I bringing to the table? And you know, you might have felt a bit of imposter syndrome, for instance. Was there anything you kind of just said to yourself to sort of push through that feeling? Because I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of people who are first starting in, in the industry experience that imposter syndrome. We've both mm-hmm. experienced it. Um, is there anything that you did just to get yourself through it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might not be in the books, but it's something that works for me. Um, what I usually do is, uh, if you know, like a uh, power of visualization, like just visualizing your life in terms of like, just probably these headphones, put on a music that's close to your heart and just sit down with it, close your eyes and think of the life that you thought for yourself. Like just have a flashback, quick flashback of like 15, you know, 20 moments that you, it took you so much. It took away so much from you that you need to realize that, oh, this is my life. And then I have to reflect, like, this is what I've done to be here. I can't let it go. This is my moment. Like no one can take this moment away from me. Like I have done lots of hard work and I've gone through heaps and everyone has a story. It's not like just me who has a story that billions of people who have different stories. So you really need to know like, what's your story? Like before you tell anyone else, tell yourself that story and just like sit with that and just like kind of, put on a music and think of the story hundreds of times and be like, okay, this is my moment. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. And I clap like three times really loudly. Just like, you got it and let's go. And then that's how it is. That's easiest way to like give you kind of a taste of your own medicine of like what you've done for such a long time. This is your time. Just pick it up, pick up yourself and just go for it. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. I love hearing that. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned that you, you pump yourself up by reminding yourself of your story because uh, I, do, I do the exact same thing, uh, particularly in the early days of when um, uh, sports grad was starting out. And um, w- like when I got made redundant from Cricket Australia, I kind of returned to the same sort of thoughts that you were having now. And I said to myself, well, Ruben, you've just lost your job. This podcast is just getting started. It doesn't matter that you don't have a job in sport anymore because the story just gets better. And every time like another hurdle would come across, so say for example, we would make a change with the membership and we sold one membership in the next month, which was like a total of $297 Mm. of income, which is not good for business. (laughs) I would Mm. just say to myself, 
that's okay because the story just gets better. And there are other examples of, you know, being offered, you know, a six-figure job but turning it down to do this startup that was barely off the ground as well. And again, to your point, we just keep telling myself that's all right because the story just gets better. When this thing does get to that place that you visualise in your own mind, you'll have an amazing set of experiences that got you there too. So uh, I like hearing that you share that same mentality too. Yeah, I wasn't, I thought I was probably, uh, I never ever shared with anyone that I do this. Like, I think you're probably the first two people that I told about, like, oh, this is what I do. Because no one asked me this question before, like, how did you do it? And I thought, like, for the longest time, this was something which, like, everyone does. But I recently got to know it is kind of a meditation, too. Like, this is a meditation. Like, you sit down with yourself and just imagine your life to be a certain way. And it's not that hard. It's actually not that hard. And I think a lot of the times I feel like th- those that character that I built for myself as in the Bollywood movie that is helping me so much in my life, knowing the fact that, oh, I imagine a Bollywood song and, you know, I'm wearing this suit and I'm, you know, ground presenting one day and then it happened it, it's it's happening and it's just like it, it, it I didn't even get time to process it I was like is this actually happening like you know so I think yeah there's a lot of different things that work for yourself and not works for other people but you just need to know what works for yourself and just keep doing that amazing uh, it's super inspiring and some great advice for for those tuning in as well um let's shift over to what a day looks like at Cricket Australia. You obviously, you recently was the presenter of the Adelaide Test, which is incredible. Um, Can you give us a bit of a taste about what's that like compared to, say, uh, the IPL? I think there's a big difference in how IPL works. It's a T20 format. It's high up in the energy. There's a lot of energy required to keep the people going. But Test is absolutely different. It's formal. It's very steady, slow. Um, It goes on for hours, so you have to make sure. And the people who come uh, to watch at the Adelaide Oval are typically very traditional uh, people who come to watch cricket, who have been watching cricket for years. And, you know, you have to kind of lower down your pace. And it wasn't really easy for me to do that because I come from a background of IPL, a T20 format, but there's a lot of things required. There's a lot of talking required. In test, it wasn't that. So um, it wasn't really easy for me to like be on the ground and just like do what I'm doing and I'm good at it. It was a lot of learning and especially Kojo, hands down to the team, Kojo World, Kojo Media, all the people who I was working with, they were so patient with me. And obviously there were heaps of mistakes that I did um, when I started off. Uh, But I had the best producers who told me like, you know, pace down a bit. This is not IPL. This is test. You might have to take it slow. So, yeah, Cricket Australia was a lot different in terms of even like um, briefing. Like in India, we get briefs before the show, probably a day or two prior. Um, Here we get like the scripts and the show line up just an hour before the game day. So it's like if you have to say something, you have to kind of be spontaneous. There's going to be a lot of changes and you have to be, you know, quick with whatever you're saying and whatever you're doing. And Basically, it's also like you're a fan, but just with a mic. You, you have to speak like a fan. Yeah. You exactly have to say what the fans have to say because you are a fan too, but it's just like we are exposed to those fans and we speak on their behalf. So we have to make sure that we consider that side, but at the same time, we have to be presenters and we have to kind of be a little poise in the test format. So the day in a life, if I could say about Cricket Australia was... Um, not very full on, but it was 
like a nervous ball hitting me because I am speaking in front of these people that I've only imagined and seen on the TV. A second, I never thought I would ever, ever be a grad presenter in Australia. I never thought, I thought that dream was something that I did have faith in me, but I just didn't have faith in the system back then um, with how, you know, the situations were for international students, but having to, get doing that not a lot of people get that opportunity so I just wanted to kind of you know take that over um, and I think one of the things also um, that I would say is speaking to the fans was uh, one of the nervous things you know nervous breakdowns that I had because I can speak to fans in Mumbai because that's my country if the jokes that I crack they're gonna laugh at it I know that because the, those jokes make sense to them. But if I make those jokes here in Australia, they might not understand what I'm saying, you know? So I have to be very clear with like, oh, like this is what I have to say. Or if this person is going to be accepting of me, are they going to be, you know, warm enough to like, you know, get me next to them and like answer the questions. So a lot of questions to myself that I was asking too, but I think having a team that works with you, uh, who builds confidence in you is very important. And I think Koja did that for me. So just, to clarify, Australia. so just to clarify one thing, you were employed by Kojo, but then they were the supplier of match presentation people for Cricket Australia. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So Cricket Australia and Kojo, they work together on this uh, particular show that they obviously show on Cricket Australia and Kojo uh, Media Channel 2. So yeah, we basically represent Cricket Australia and Kojo both. Yep. We need to get Kojo on here to definitely do a bit of insight into who they are and what they do. They're a terrific organisation. Yeah. Um, awesome. And Katie, you mentioned at the top of the episode that you've never had any formal training. Instead, you learn by watching other presenters and do a lot of YouTube research as well. I'd love to know, like when you are doing this self-guided research and training, what do you look out for? Like, what do you pick up on when you are watching someone else be a presenter? Um, I think, um, so when I was a fan and when I used to listen to commentary, I enjoyed a few people when they spoke things from their heart, like a fan, because it's funny and it's funny to like kind of listen to them instead of listening to someone who's commentating about the game analytics and just like, you know, um, um, just about the game. So for me, it was like, um, I used to watch um, a lot of Isha Gua videos from the past, a lot of Sanjana Ganeshan videos, uh, Mayanti Langa, just like look for their videos and what they are highlighting uh, because they talk about game. But at the same time, I had to come back to my own self as well. Like, oh, but I have to bring some fun aspect to the game because I think if someone's commentating funnily, I would listen to that. So I think the research that goes behind it is just like um, not just cricket. Like you can watch any hosts like or even any talk shows for example there used to be uh, this guy in india who used to do vox pop videos and his name was sahil katta not many people would know him now Sorry, just, just sure. to clarify one thing for those who've never heard the word vox pop what does that mean oh yeah so vox pop is basically the videos that you get to see on the street the street interviews uh the people who come up to you and be like hey can we talk for a second and that's basically the vox pop videos which is like the uh, street videos that we do, gotcha. street interviews that we do. A any um, any so, idea why it's called Vox Pop? It's such a weird name. <laughs> Good question. I don't know that too. <laughs> I don't know either. Someone Pop. can find out for us. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's a good learning. Like we should go back and like look at uh, look it up. Like what's it actually? Why is it actually called Vox Pop? But uh, yeah, I my role was basically started from Vox Pop. So growing up as a child as well, when YouTube has just come like as a platform was introduced, I used to watch a lot of street interview videos because that just made me laugh. And there was this one Indian guy, Sahil Khattar, and he had a channel called Being Indian. And he used to make so funny videos and just like be himself on the streets of Mumbai, dance on the street, sleep on the street. And he would just be absolutely like great at what he does. And I used to watch a lot of those videos. Also, MTV had a big impact on my life because I used to watch MTV a lot. Um, VJs on MTV channel, they used to, you know, be like this, you know, girls who would come speak like, you know, they're flawless. And I would always imagine myself to be that person. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep watching it. So it wasn't like something that I did for like last two years. I just kind of grew up watching all of those things. And I just wanted to kind of, that was the learning that I did. And then when I got the chance to do it, I just built up that character. And I was like, okay, maybe like I'm the same character. I'm Sahil Khattar and I'm going to have fun with my audience and I'm just going to do the same thing. So I think that's the kind of research that I did, but it wasn't really a research. It was just something that I was watching and I just got to do that one day. Well, it could have been a subconscious research because it sounds like you have perfectly understood the role that you can play with a microphone in hand because, you know, the role that you play would be very different to, say, the role that Ricky Ponting plays on broadcast. Mm. He's played the game. He knows all the analytics, all the techniques and, you know, everything that's going on and explains it very well. But, you know, your mm. perspective might be to be a fan and given that you understand that role and all the research you've done in what makes a good fan, what makes an entertaining fan, what makes a captivating fan, um, it sounds like you've hit the nail on the head with how you've been able to deliver that in front of camera. Yeah, and it's not always easy to like say that in front of the camera because like when you're a fan, you have lots to speak, but when you come in front of the camera and you're the person who's going to speak, immediately like everything just you know you self-doubt yourself a lot but I think um just like watching those videos and I would like to say this like if someone is trying to get into like presenting um there's different types of presenting as well we only see presenters like okay there's star sports there's channel seven and you see people standing with a microphone wearing suits and like talking about the game but you also have to see there's different type of presenters like us who uh you know highlight the game segment at the same time gives fan like fans, the main character, like make fans the main character of the game show because they are, they make the sport. Without, I don't think the sport would be ever fun. So I think there's different types of presenting. Now you need to see where you stand. I think I do get the idea of being into game analytics as well, but at the same time, I'm just starting my career and to start my career at, at a fan level and talk about fan is probably the best way to start um, so if you want to start as well, like if the listeners, they want to start, I think this is the best way to start, like just kind of start learning about like fans and how you can present yourself as a fan and then get into these small franchise uh, uh, franchises, uh, BBL, IPL, and then see how it goes. Sounds like you're, yeah, you're on this journey and you're just trying to get better each day and learn where you sort of fit into the whole picture. But are there any sort of particular skills in presentation that you're trying to get better at each time you do it? Absolutely. There's always, I think there's a massive, big, huge room for improvement. Every time I go on the field and come back home, I have a few things that I write for myself that, oh, you could have done this better. 
maybe next time improve on this. For an example, I speak very fast because, again, I didn't know why I speak so fast. But then I see I look down and I see I come from a culture where everything is so fast paced. So in Mumbai, especially, no one has time to even listen to you. So we are habitual to speak fast. Like we speak fast because we can get done these things and move on. And when I came to Australia and when I started speaking English and when I was on the ground speaking English faster, because I have an accent, I have to cool down myself and I have to be like, okay, take a moment. You can understand yourself, but the fans are not going to understand if you go fast, because obviously you come from a different sort of background. So yeah, I write down those things for myself and come home and start speaking slowly and like just stand in front of the mirror and just be like, you know, acting again, like yeah. Ankita, this is this and da, 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 da. And you, you slowly get a hang of those things. So yeah, there's a lot of improvement that is being done after every game that I go for. And do you sort of write that down for yourself or do you get feedback from other people as well? Like how do you give you, how do you get that feedback on your performance, I guess? Yes, it's actually both. Um, I get the feedback too, but sometimes, um, you know, when you're new, um, you're getting used to team members too. They're not very open to tell you what exactly, you know, you need to improve. But luckily again, Kojo and Cricket Australia, both when we were working together, they were friends. Like they were friends to me. Like they not once told me, oh, you're not doing this well, but they would rather tell me, and Kira, this was good. Keep doing this. This is, this is probably the best shot you've gave. So keep doing that. So I get a feedback from my uh, online producers, like on-ground producers. Um, KA, shout out to KA. She's my on-ground producer who tells me what exactly needs to be done. So she would tell me immediately, like, Ankita, this is good, but um, I think you can improve here. You can speak a little slower because you. I know you've got it. But don't be nervous. It's all good. I have a daughter who's into the similar field. So I tell you as my daughter. And that's exactly what she told me. And that's not the sort of, you know, kind of feedback that you get on day to day basis. Like that is something personalized. That's something or someone who comes from a place that they want to see you grow. And that's very important. Speaking of people who want to see you grow. When I caught up with you first uh, and learned about your story and you mentioned a person called Rana Hussain earlier in the episode who was the ground presenter at the T20 World Cup. I met Rana and we got her on the podcast at your request actually because you wanted to hear her journey and uh, we told her that there was this girl who's come to Australia and is inspired on her journey by Rana. And then we also found out about your job and Rana was amazed to hear that you'd made it to the Mumbai Indians because of her inspiration. Uh, Since then, you guys have connected. She's now a mentor to you. Can you speak a bit to some of the interactions that you've had since you've been able to meet this inspiration of yours? Yeah, I think I think I'm getting a little emotional just listening to what you just said because it just takes me back to the times when I was looking the work run I was doing, and um, I think the interactions with me and her is just like any interaction with like your friend, like she more than a mentor. She I think I consider herself a mentor first, but obviously like she's so friendly. She's there for me anytime that I need help. And that's not a lot of men to do these days. I think I'm so fortunate to like have people like you, yourself, Ruben, Rana herself, and just to like push me to be better. Because when you are in the similar field, a lot of the times people compete. A lot of the times people want to grow more than you. They want to do more than you. But here, the the connection, the relationship that you, me and Rana share is so 
so pure, so positive, and just makes me think that I need to build similar sort of relationship with my, you know, next generation who wants to come and speak to me about my journey. So speaking about Rana, I don't think I've been ever inspired by some someone so much that I think Rana, I treat her like just probably a celebrity that I probably would think of because she is someone who is breaking boundaries on a lot of levels that we can't even imagine. Um, and not to, not to like, you know, uh, highlight those, those particular facts, but like, just, we know I come from a South Asian country myself and I know she is from a similar background and she is more conservative with her uh, traditions, with the way she conducts herself, but so open-minded and so talented and so well at her craft. That just inspires me a lot more because I got the freedom to do what I do. She's getting the freedom to do what she's doing and especially being brown women and it, which is not so common to work in sports industry. Um, and seeing her do that just made me, just, I don't know, the person that I am today is, has a lot to do with her. Um, so, and I'm getting a bit emotional again, but it's just, um, I just cannot imagine like if, if I wouldn't have seen her, I don't even know if I would have been here. So she, she, she means a lot to me. Amazing. It is so important to have people in your corner and people who you can call upon for advice. So to see you guys bond together the way you have is, uh, incredible to watch from um from our point of view yeah and like it's so funny that she's always there for me like i message her sometimes like early in the morning and i did message her rana i'm so nervous like this is the biggest ever gig for me and it's cricket australia and she's like don't worry be yourself you're great at what you do just be the same person as you are you don't have to worry much and obviously first days are always the difficult days because you don't know anyone but it only gets better like it doesn't even feel like she's my mentor and i've just met her like a few months ago and I've probably like been the person who used to see her on ground and now she's actually mentoring me I feel honored and not everyone can do it and I trust me like I I I think that I want to do the same for the next generation so yeah she's the best (laughs) amazing such a good story before we wrap it up just want to get your advice for your younger self or people in a similar position wanting to be the next Ankita I'm not sure about next Ankita, um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but whatever dreams that you have for yourself, just have some faith in yourself. Like I know, again, coming from a brown culture, this is very common to listen to your society, listen to your parents, listen to your cousins, listen to your friends. It's not very common in an open world and people like, probably uh, westernized people who are from the western countries this is not a common concept but people from brown countries they think being the best daughter being the best uh, wife or being the best you know parent is really important but at the same time you need to understand that this is your life your parents are they will support you when you start excelling your friends are going to support you when you kind of grow and they see you grow so don't don't worry or don't care if that sounds negative. I don't want to be negative, but I would still say don't care about what anyone else says. Don't care. Even if it's your family, even if it's your closest people, you need to stick to your dreams because the dreams that you see for yourself, no one else can understand what are those to you. So if you have a little faith in yourself and your dreams, everything will fall into place. Everything will. So yeah, that don't, don't just let it go for anyone else. And this is one life 
who knows like you're going to get to live this again so might as well make, make mistakes and learn from it then regretting and not doing it amazing well, Ankita, it's been so wonderful to have you on the podcast and to hear about all the challenges you face back home in, in India and the way that you've overcome them and then the challenges of moving to Australia and the way you've overcome them as well and uh, led you to the career of your dreams that you've always envisioned for yourself, that you've always backed for yourself. has been so inspiring to, to watch and to be able to connect with the inspirations that you have for yourself has just been amazing too. And uh to the point where now we we like we put out a post about you the other day, and one of the comments on Instagram was, "Ankita is to me what Rana is to Ankita," and I just thought that was absolutely wow. amazing to to see. So, you've done it for yourself, and now you're inspiring other people, which I know is what you want to do in the future. So, congratulations on all you've achieved. You are still extremely young, and uh, we look forward to watching what you do next. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I think, thank you so much for giving me that platform and just want to say to all the, before I go, your podcast was the reason why I actually got into Cricket Australia and Kojo World. Like they scouted me through your podcast. The video that you uploaded with Rana was actually seen by Kojo Media, Kojo World and then Cricket Australia. And that's how I got approached for this Cricket Australia gig. So the exposure that you gave to me, I can't be any more thankful or grateful for um so thank you so much thank you just means a lot thank you that's very kind well you you create your own luck so kudos to you (laughs) (laughs) thank you well guys what an episode with ankita we absolutely loved that chat with her for those in adelaide she's going to be at our adelaide meetup on the 13th of february so get around it get a ticket and don't miss your chance to catch up with her there In the meantime, it is our favorite segment of the podcast, the people's segment, we call it Ask Sports Grad, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, become a Sports Grad member by heading to our website at sportsgrad.com.au slash community. You can join our wait list. This question comes from one of my favorite members, Ari. He's come to a few coffee catch-ups. He's a really great fella. Uh, And this is his question. So I'm looking for some advice for an internship that I'll be completing this year. For those who got an opportunity out of an internship, one, what are the little one percenters that you did that you believe made you get noticed in that position? And number two is how did you get the most out of your experience? Great question, Ari. And uh, likewise, one of my favorite members too. Brilliant guy. King. Yep. Um, I'm going to use the example of someone we've just hired, and her name is Acacia Quinn. And we, we, we didn't even mention this at the top of the episode. We got a new full-time hire. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? I know. There's too much to talk about. Yeah, so First much. half of the year, it's too stressful. So much. So much to include. But shout out to Acacia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we probably should have got Acacia in here to just yeah. tell you what she did. But um, as her manager, I can explain a few things that made her stand out. So Acacia's story is that she was a sport management student, became a sports grad member. And we noticed the work that she was doing because she was very active on LinkedIn. And I started chatting with her on LinkedIn and she said, hey, uh, like um, my next goal for the year is to find an internship for uni. And um, I said to her, well, we're looking for interns. Do you want to help us out? So she came on as an intern. And then when the internship finished, we kept her on as a casual employee. 
And then now, start of new year, we've hired her in a full-time position, which is the first time we've ever done that with with anybody. So it had to take someone exceptional for us to get there, regardless of our financial position. Yeah. So We'll sort that out later. Yeah. (laughs) So Acacia stood out from from day dot. And so here's a couple of things that um, really made me notice the work that she was doing. Number one, she was putting herself out there on LinkedIn. That's literally how we came in contact with her. If she wasn't sharing the work that she was doing at uni or mm. the opportunities that she was taking up uh, when she was doing her study abroad in America, I wouldn't have known what she was up to. And I also, whenever I see a student post on LinkedIn, I also think, wow, that person has got the guts to post on LinkedIn and has got the initiative to post on LinkedIn. So regardless of what she said, mm that's indicated to me both of those two qualities which which stand out exceptionally. So that's kind of how she got her foot in. Yeah. Then once she became um, an intern, a couple of things that she did really well was that she communicated exceptionally well. So if she could easily listen to a task, she was open to learning. Um, yeah. she, if she had any problems, she would address them quickly. I think the worst thing that you can do when you are new into a role is not ask questions. If you have a problem or you hit a roadblock and you sit on that, you don't help anybody by holding that in. And we've certainly dealt with people in the past where we're like, why didn't you tell us like when this came up? Yeah. Acacia was very quick to ask questions. So we don't really care, you know, if you don't know what to do right now because you're still learning and we can help you. But we do care if you are not proactive in seeking that help. Yeah. So that was another thing. Um, Another thing that stood out for us was that she was incredibly personable. Um, communicates not very well with us, but with other members of the team, other interns that we've had, and importantly, with our community too. So whenever she was at events, she was very good at getting around to everybody, very good at helping people and making introductions or suggesting podcasts. And um, even uh, one of our investors, Bennett Merriman, kind of came up to us um, or at a meeting at a later date and said, hey, you know, that Acacia girl that you've got working for you, she, she's excellent. I, I really noticed her work at the meetup. And yeah. and so so for someone like Acacia, not only do we pick up on the work that she's doing, but other people who are involved in sports grade notice as well. And so for, for you, Ari, or for anyone else, it won't just be your bosses that you need to impress. You know, everybody's watching and they will yeah. put in a word to your boss and that just helps your boss's impression of you. So... I could go on and on because Acacia is outstanding. Um, one of one other thing she does really, really well is she writes well. And um, uh, I think if you can write well, that translates to a lot of different tasks that you have to do. So that's a bit about Acacia. Uh, feel free to reach out to her if you want to know more about what she did and what you should be doing as well to turn your internship into a full-time position. Amazing. Great question, Ari, and uh, good on your cash. You should be listening, obviously. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, if you'd like to ask us a question, as I mentioned, become a SportsGrab member. Each week we are jumping on speed networking sessions, Q&As, job fairs. We've got job boards. We've got a resource hub. We've got everything you need to uh, get a job in sport and get thriving in sport as well. And all of these sessions are recorded, so you can access them at a later date if you can't make every single one of them. If you know someone else who would love the pod, please send it on and give it a share. You can never, you can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, and give us some love with a five-star as well if you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 
Hey friends, one last thing before you go. If you really want to make an impact in sport, then subscribe to the Sports Grad newsletter. Inside, we share all the latest job openings and networking events, so you're always aware of opportunities to land a job and grow your network. Plus, we share a Q&A with professional on how they grow their career in sport. Here we talk about things like how they moved overseas or negotiated their salary or landed a new job or promotion, made a career change and so much more. It's kind of like a little boost of inspiration in your inbox before the weekend. So if you're like us, you're career driven and you're keen to progress quickly, you're going to love the Sportsgrad newsletter. To get it, head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe or follow the link in the show notes. See you next time.